Coupe de Thrill, shining headlights on the road less traveled. The podcast about thrilling careers and exotic lifestyles, how you might go about pursuing them, and inspiring stories from the driven individuals who have been there, done that. I'm your host, Chad Herman. Let's take a ride. Welcome to the show. I am going to pick up right where I left off on my trip. So I'm in Northern California. I worked my way from Trinidad uh, down to around Arcata where Humboldt University is, uh, really Eureka, and worked my way inland three hours to Redding, California. So Redding, California sits uh, just, I guess, south of Mount Shasta, a volcanic mountain that's a 14,000 foot peak. There's several other volcanic mountains around there, Mount Lassen, a couple of other areas. Um, and then you got Lake Shasta there, which is extremely low at the moment, looked close to 80, 100 feet low because of the extreme heat in this area. So my good buddy Fred, he is my college roommate in senior year of college at the University of Georgia. He is the environmental engineer for that area, for the Shasta Trinity National Forest, and I imagine he's pretty busy. It's a pretty environmentally challenged place. So I had just come from the coast, just over the mountains, three hours inland, you have an extreme temperature gradient. So it's often up to 120 degrees in Redding, which is just ungodly hot. Whereas on the coast, just a few hours away, you know, it's often in the 40s. So uh, pretty wild how the mountains just kind of trap the heat there. And you can imagine with Phoenix type temperatures in the middle of the forest, you have quite a lot of fires. So apparently the town is just covered in smoke most of the time. Uh, doesn't sound like a very desirable place to be during the summertime, that's for sure. But apparently I came at just the right moment. Temperatures were very temperate and there was no smoke. It was all clear in the valley there. So uh, it's a great time to visit my buddy Fred and his girlfriend Anna. They had just moved there a year before for Fred to take the environmental engineering job, and I believe I might have been their, their first visitor, really. So uh, it's pretty cool to uh, give them a little, little slice of home by coming to visit them, and very appreciative of their hospitality. And got to have a good time, got there at night, had some dinner, met some of their friends who were also in the Peace Corps. Fred was in the Peace Corps in Peru before he was evacuated due to COVID. And I believe Anna was also in Peru. If not, she was in the Peace Corps somewhere else because they actually met during their Peace Corps evacuation. So, um, you know, great. Obviously, anyone who's really willing to do the Peace Corps is just 
all about helping the greater the greater good you know you don't get paid much to do that stuff and you're in some usually in some pretty awful places fred was in the middle of the jungle in peru he had picked peru because he spoke fluent spanish he had lived in spain teaching english for a couple years and had been to el salvador a couple other places during college and was thinking that he'd get to use his spanish in peru uh, but then he got placed in the middle of the jungle where they speak uh, a tribal language i believe called quechua a uh, pretty common tribal language around Peru in that area. I actually remember reading about it in the Motorcycle Diaries, uh, Ernesto Che Guevara's, you know, memoir of his motorcycle trip back in the 50s all through South America. Uh, anyways, <clears throat> got to hang out. We went to a local place called the Hen House, which reminded me of my favorite dive bar in Atlanta called Hammers. So it had a beach volleyball court. It's definitely a lot nicer than Hammers, uh, but it was good to play a little beach volleyball game with some locals and hung out. I found out about the local, I won't call it a cult, but basically a cult. Uh, so I was talking with some people there and you know, I was like, oh, what brought you to Reading? Like I talked to one girl from Canada and she let me know that she had come there to go to school at a church and I'm like well what do you mean you're you're here for school at a church so apparently it's like a non accredited thing people come from all across and you know not even across the nation from even from abroad uh, to join I forget I would have to look up the name of it but uh sounded awfully culty but very nice people, almost uh, Mormon-esque, how nice the people were that I met from this church. But uh, that was interesting. And then Fred had been working on the engine on his dirt bike to get it ready for when I came. So me and Fred have rode road motorcycles together a couple times, but uh, we've always wanted to ride dirt bikes together. So Fred had an actual dirt bike, an old KTM 250SX. Uh, SXF and I had my 390 Adventure which I informed Fred is not an actual dirt bike has minimal off-road capabilities really more for forest service roads gravel roads that kind of thing uh, but we went to the OHV park and had a great time riding I honestly didn't think I was gonna make it out alive you know the trails are kind of rated like ski slopes there you know green blue black double black and we were trying, you know, I told Fred, you know, I'm probably cool with blues, but that's about as, as, as far as I wanna go. And we, at some point, you know, it's all through the mountains. You can see Mount Shasta and the other mountains and the lake in the background, um, but some pretty darn steep hill climbs we got into. And then we took a wrong turn and I think we ended up on some blacks and double blacks. Uh, my concern was I had a street tire on the rear of my bike. Um, and the problem with that, I had a pretty worn out knobby-ish tire, like a 70-30 off-road, on-road tire on the front, but the rear was definitely like 30% on-road, I mean 30% off-road, about 70% on-road aimed, and without those knobbies, I just could not stop on this extremely loose, dusty surface. Like I said, it's extremely dry, hardly rains there in 120 degrees. So it's some of the driest dirt I had ever probably ridden on. So 
In the end, I made it through. I drugged my rear wheel completely out of control all the way down the mountain a few times and eventually made it to the end, which I was just like wanted to like kiss the ground if that was the thing. I mean, I wasn't skydiving, but I was just so thankful to be out of there because I thought I was going to be leaving Northern California without a motorcycle, to be honest, at some points. So I was glad to get through that. It was great to ride with Fred. And then that evening, uh, we got back, you know, unloaded. I had to change the oil in my van the next day. So we did that the next day. And unfortunately, I had to go to the grocery store. I had to run a lot of errands. Um, so that kind of killed most of the day. And then it was looking like it was going to rain. Uh, but we had planned to go see the salmon run. So the salmon come from the sea, you know, that's the story of a salmon's life. They're born, they kind of grow up as they work their way down the river, and then they go out into the open ocean to be adults. And at the end of their life, they have some kind of thing in their brain that triggers, hey, I need to go back to where I was born. And they work their way swimming up the Sacramento River all the way to Redding where when they get there, they get to their nesting grounds, they lay eggs, uh, the male salmon, you know, fertilize the eggs with the sperm. And at that point, both the males and the females die. Right after they breed, they die. So they, these fish are huge by the time they make it to redding, you know, they just came from the open ocean being adult salmon and they're really beat up from working their way up the river. So it was pretty cool to see that in the super clear water of the Sacramento, get to see that life cycle and had, uh, you know, some good dinners, went to a nice whiskey bar and had my first whiskey sour, which I cannot believe I had never had. It was delicious and kind of checked out the town there in Reading, which is actually pretty nice. Um, very nice town. Just climate is not great and uh, the people uh, are interesting you know uh, not to not to hate on the place but uh, quite a bit of kind of white trash around there you know um, pretty bad drug problem you know they forewarned me you know we literally blocked in my van and made it so that none of the doors could be opened where it was parked and uh, was aware that you know there's lots uh, there's quite a large drug problem there as there is in most of the country unfortunately it was probably the most eye-opening thing that I saw on the trip is just how bad America's drug problem is aka homelessness problem because I came to find out um, you know we hear this narrative that homelessness is a uh, caused by poverty and it's it couldn't be further from the truth I mean uh, from what from my experience, what I've seen from traveling over the years in the States and especially on this trip, you know, homelessness is an effect of, of drug abuse. So, um, you know, meth, heroin, fentanyl, um, all those kinds of things, just the hardest drugs. People, people uh, can't put their lives back together and that's why they're on the street. But saw plenty of that in Reading, but also saw that it's a fantastic city. It just uh, needs needs some help, you know. So I worked my way from Reading down to Santa Cruz. 
So I was going to meet up with a buddy, I was kind of chatting back and forth with him, a buddy who lives in Oakland, but I was avoiding San Francisco like the plague because of their homelessness problem. So I worked my way down to Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz definitely seemed like more of a summer city. You know, I kind of walked the boardwalk, but everything was closed. You know, it's a little chilly on the beach, but I went and saw it. Saw you know the the uh, boardwalk roller coaster and all that stuff. And then I worked my way over to New Brighton Beach, where I get a campsite for the night. So luckily, they had some availability. I was able to get a campsite right by the beach, which was really awesome. Uh, a little more expensive than uh, my tastes allow, you know, it's 35 bucks a night, which for camping is a little steep, especially since I had camped in National Forest for the most part the entire time for free. Uh, but it was worth it to be right there by the beach and have safe camping. And it was worth it because I was right next to a great little town called Capitola, California. And Capitola usually has a little river that goes out to the ocean, but in the uh, fall time, I guess when the water's not running as much, they kind of dam up the beach right there. So they have this little kind of uh, pond, if you will, just kind of the end of the, the river there before the beach that reflects on these really colorful houses that sit directly across uh, the, the little river from all the restaurants and stuff. They had some live music. I ate, ate some great chipino, which I had never had before, seafood dish. And then Monday nights, it turns out, is their live music night. So I got to catch some live music there, which was fantastic. And then get ready the next day to head on down to check out that part of the coast, you know? So I headed from New Brighton Beach the next day on down to Monterey where Laguna Seca is, one of the only racetracks in the country I still have not been to. I thought about camping at the track just because I'd never seen it, but it'd probably just drive me crazy without anything to put on the track. So I ended up just kind of checking out Monterey for a second, grabbing some tacos, you know, checking out town and the beach, and then headed on down through Big Sur. Um, so went down to Point Lobos, uh, did some hiking around beautiful Point Lobos State Park, uh, which was just gorgeous. It's what you think of when you think of Big Sur, went over the Bixby Bridge, all that good stuff. You know, Big Sur's coastline is just gorgeous. I had heard about a great restaurant called Nepenthe, which has one of the best settings I've ever seen in the world. It's sitting on this cliff overlooking the coastline of Big Sur. I uh, couldn't really afford to eat there or really get, you know, get into the place, really need a reservation. It's pretty popular. So just kind of had a drink there overlooking the coast. And before I went to Nepenthe, I went ahead and locked down my campsite. So I rode there on the motorcycle. And then the roads along the coast there kind of reminded me of the Great Ocean Road in Australia. Just a fantastically curvy road, but on the beautiful coastline of California. So I did some riding right as it was getting dark and then turned around and headed on back to the campsite. Uh, once I got back to camp, not really much going on. Uh, trying to remember, I don't think I, I don't think I built a fire that night. I think I just kind of kicked it and woke up the next day expecting rain but thank god it had not rained yet so i was able to pack up in the dry did a little hike around big sur uh, state park 
Pfeiffer, Big Sur State Park, checked out that area before I went down to, I think it's Julia Pfeiffer State Park, which is just uh, a little waterfall on the beach. It's just a lookout. I forget the name of the falls there, but they, you know, drop out right on the beach, right by the ocean. It was kind of neat. Um, and then I was working my way down all the way to Santa Barbara. So I had always heard that Santa Barbara was a beautiful place um, and just had never made it to that part of California. So I was really stoked to work my way down there. It took me, you know, until the end of the day to get down there, took, you know, made some stops along the way. I'm on the beautiful California coast working my way down, uh, but eventually make it to Santa Barbara, um, you know, make it there just before before dark kind of check out the coastline there um so i on the way you know i was kind of worried about whether i'd be able to find camping around so i was actually you know first things first trying to find a campsite i went to i think it was called like graviota or something like that um right before santa barbara there's a state park their campground was closed and i said and you know he said there's another one in Carpinteria, which is where the famous Wave Rincon is. So, um, was gonna go camp down there, see if I could find a campsite on the beach down there, but again, they were quite expensive, like $50 a night or something like that. Um, so he told me there was this road called Camino Cielo. There's a East Camino Cielo and a West Camino Cielo. One of them turns into off-road and there's like a gun range and all this stuff and it eventually leads to this uh, lake on an Indian re reservation called Lake Chumash um, but I was looking for the other one which was also just an epic road overlooking the Los Padres National Forest on the one side the mountains and the lake on the one side coastline and the cities on the other side so I actually set up camp right there so um, after kind of enjoying the the views of the coast there I ended up um, passing by a giant silent disco right in the park there by the beach. So that was pretty cool to see. And it, it made me think about my friend Emma Davis, who actually used to do the same thing in San Francisco. And I got to thinking about it. She did beach yoga and like silent discos on the beach. And I got to thinking about it. I was like, wait a second. I think I saw that Emma moved here. I never ended up catching up with Emma. We were kind of conversing back and forth on Instagram, but never made it. But definitely check out Santa Barbara Beach Yoga if you're ever there. That's her operation. It turns out it wasn't her silent disco, um, but I ended up working my way over. I needed some dinner before I went and found camp. So went to a great little place called, uh, I'm probably butchering this. Um, it's like Sh Shahub's, uh, funk zone or something like that it turns out it was like a butcher shop that decided that they were gonna start a brewery so they had the brewery and then they opened up a little outdoor seating area and came on the right night had some delicious food their thing I guess is tri-tip sandwiches so I did that and some wings turns out it was like all half off so I came at the right time had some great dinner and went and camped out and 
uh, started my stint basically as a California hillbilly in the Los Padres National Forest up above Santa Barbara, Isla Vista, Galeta, that whole area above UCSB and the actual town of Santa Barbara. So I spent uh, probably four nights there and every time I think about leaving I'd end up coming back you know I thought about cruising on down to San Diego but didn't really want to deal with LA traffic getting down there and wanted to do some surfing which I had not done yet which I said I was gonna do on the California coast I brought a wetsuit for a reason so I ended up staying around there um, the next day I just kind of went and cruised around, kind of had a little beach day, did some happy hour, cruised around the old town of Santa Barbara, you know, had some beers, that kind of thing, before I headed back up to camp. Um, the next morning, I had some guys stop by my camp. That turns out they were doing the same thing, just kind of living out of their cars up there in the mountains, the Los Padres National Forest, and driving for like Uber Eats. So it was a Ukrainian guy, Sergey, Sergey and a Brazilian guy, Alex, and they were just super stoked on my bike and my whole setup with the van and the off-road, on-road bike, and they were just couldn't be more stoked. So I chatted with them for quite a while. They would end up stopping by every morning and just kind of hanging out for a little bit on their way into town. Um, and then, you know, just kind of spent a few days there. It was in really interesting. I was literally in the clouds most of the time in the evening and in the morning so it'd take a little while for me to get rolling because i get out of the van and it'd just be completely white out a lot of times it wouldn't be raining but the clouds were so thick and being pushed so quickly through the mountains by the wind that would just make raindrops on my bike and my van and all my stuff um, so interesting place to be I had a little rope swing that someone had built at the top of this little mountain that was right nearby. So I'd go up there and watch the sunset, the sunrise, that kind of thing. So that was pretty cool. Uh, next day went down to Rincon because I was going down. I, I figured I was going to splurge and try to get a campsite on the beach in Carpinteria, which was a neat little town as well. Uh, went down there and asked about some campsites they had a couple available and by the time I walked to check out the campsites and came back people had drove through the booth and reserved the campsites so no campsite there so I ended up just kind of working my way down to Rincon chilling out on the beach watching some surfing there's I counted like 70 people in the water at the break so I figured that after seven years of not surfing being real rusty that's probably not the place to to you know get back into the groove of things. I hated to not say, surf that famous right, but I uh, found out that Campus Point may be more up my alley. So uh, believe it or not, they actually have a couple surf breaks, but Campus Point is one of the surf breaks on the UCSB, University of California, Santa Barbara campus. So ended up going down the next morning, renting a fun board, uh, you know, just a little foamer from this place called Surf Country and went down to Campus Point. I surfed in the morning pretty unsuccessfully. It was pretty crowded out there, decent waves, but I was just kind of on the shoulder on the outside. I didn't really want to get up in the mix as I hadn't done it in a long time. And these were all a bunch of college kids who knew what they were doing. So 
was pretty unsuccessful that morning, but I would not let surfing defeat me. So kind of went out, got some lunch, you know, regrouped and came back and surfed in the afternoon. So finally caught some waves in the afternoon. So that was good. Went back to kind of my local spot. I, you know, the fish house there right near the beach in Santa Barbara had a great happy hour. So I went back there and ate some dinner and just kind of got ready for, for the journey the next day. So um, next day I went down to Campus Point, kind of checked the waves. There was really no energy that morning. So instead of getting cold, I'm from Georgia, I'm not used to cold water. You know, the Pacific coast is, is quite chilly all year round, but especially when I was out there. So uh, ended up deciding not to paddle out because it just, with the time I had and the waves, it really wasn't worth it. So I dropped my surfboard and I would be heading to Joshua Tree through the LA traffic. I'm gonna leave it off right there for this week because I want to tell y'all all about my time in Joshua Tree, Las Vegas, and Air, uh, Utah next week. So I'll leave it there. Again, I always appreciate y'all listening in, even though I'm, you know, resorted to a road journal for now. I am back in Atlanta and I am hoping to bring you more interviews of inspiring people here soon. So please continue to tune in and I'll see you next Thursday.